When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin. I'm Gabby Roslin. And I'm Ricky Wilson. We're sitting in for Chris this week with bucket loads of great guests coming up. The BAFTA award-winning George McKay gives us the lowdown on his brand new drama, The Trick, on BBC One. Comedy titan Johnny Vegas has us sitting on the edge of our seats detailing his new fantasy drama film, The Drowning of Arthur Braxton. The always awesome Al Murray delves into his historic new series, Why Do the Brits Win? every war and his new 83 date 2022 UK tour 83 dates wowzers and satirical funny man Nish Kumar makes us LOL that's, that's laugh out loud Gabby not lots of love ahead of his topical comedy news show Late Night Mash on Dave so without further ado let's get on with it Dapper Dave, pray tell, who's our first guest? He wowed in 1917, howled in wolf and is crying foul in his latest offering. He stars in climate change drama The Trick tonight at 8.30 on BBC One. So please welcome an actor worth watching, whatever the weather. It's the always brilliant George McKay! Hello, George. Come in, George. Hey there, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Whereabouts are you in the world? Uh, I'm up in Yorkshire at the minute. Ah, are you you filming Uh, in Yorkshire or holidaying? no, 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 I'm working up here, yeah. I'm just sort of in between Halifax and Hebden Bridge. Oh, Aww. beautiful part of the world. I played yeah, in Halifax yeah, a couple of few weeks ago, and uh, Thomas Sergos was there at the gig. Oh, no way. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm working with Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing the Gallows Pole, Shane Meadows? Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, that's the one. There you go. Why weren't you, you, you at the gig? <laughs> the gig. I, had, I hadn't made it up to Yorkshire yet. I was oh, right. down in London. I missed out. <laughs> oh, never mind. Never mind. So, how's things going? You excited about it going on air tonight? The trick. It's going out tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. It's cool. It's cool. It's getting out there. It's really powerful, though. I mean, this is it's a true story. Uh, for the, so for people who miss the, the actual true story, uh, it, this is the true story about the trick, which is what with the... Um, hacking and the computer hacking to do with climate change and it was mm. such a, it was front page of all of the papers and there mm. you are bringing it to life and just reminding everybody perfect timing with COP26 happening so tell people about uh, the trick please yeah well, well I, I myself am sort of slightly embarrassed to say I, I did I missed it when it when it like happened in 2009-2010 but yeah it's the story of this uh, uh, this man Phil Jones who's one of the UK's best climate scientist and he works out of the University of East Anglia and basically he had his emails hacked and these sort of choice sentences picked from his emails to sort of make it look like he was falsifying his data to try and make it look like climate change is worse than it is to sort of 
you know, fuel the argument of climate deniers and to sort of just ruin his reputation, basically. And it completely obliterated the sort of the trust that people had in in his institution and and in himself as as a character. You know, this is his life's work, and it kind of got taken apart by this um, by this hacking, which then got picked up by the media at the time. And turned into this sort of snowballed into this story that completely lost control and yeah and it, and it put him in a really really bad way and it's and the story is about kind of not just climate change and the importance of of the work that people like phil like phil jones has, has done and is doing but just kind of about the truth in general and it's all kind of you know whipped up about the media and and kind of where we get our news how we get our news what we believe why we should believe things it's it's kind of all all tied up in this yeah, because when I was watching it, I thought to myself, this is the kind of thing that should be, should have been nipped in the bud, like, the next day. But it went mm. on for months, didn't it? And, like, nearly destroyed a guy's life. And it's really yeah. powerful to watch it, it happen. And, and it has echoes of what's going on now and what's gone on in the past with the media and how they manipulate and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it feels kind of very very timely in terms of, like, you know, how we... Um uh, how we get our like how we get our news and how that is changing at the minute and and that being so like brilliant in so many senses but obviously kind of having to keep an eye on you know uh, on that and this sort of and and trust in institutions trust in people um and just in kind of it looks into all of that and unpicks it in this kind of perfect storm of a story but also the seeing the personal side of it. I mean, his his breakdown. He and his wife. I mean, they're they're incredible in it. Both of them mm. are, are extraordinary performers. They really are. But just that watching him break down is heartbreaking. Absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. And also in terms of like Jason's performance as well. Like I think his, I was talking with Pip, the director when I, I went in to do some like you know voice recording in the post production and. And it's kind of, it's not the, t- I think it's, it's not the sort of way in which you often see it sort of portrayed, people struggling in, in that sense. It's such a kind of intimate portrayal of, of what he went through and, and how it sort of, uh, of how it manifested itself in him. Uh, and I just, uh, yeah, I just think it's brilliant and, and heartbreaking and it really, you know, attaches you to the, the kind of the personal side when these stories get banded around there's often you know there's there's a person at the middle of them and, and a person with a family and um and yeah and you really see that through through the performances in this i think and that's where you and jerome flynn step in as this fantastic double act and why <laughs> what, what i got from it was i was kind of disappointed it was a true story because i would like to see more of these two guys coaching people of how to in pr because you're like these two pr guys who help him get his story across uh, in right. an effective way and I just think this would make a great like future TV show about how you can like coach people that way and I, you know, <laughs> I wish I wish I had that in my daily life because I mess things up terribly but I, I, lo- <laughs> I, I loved your on-screen chemistry it was brilliant I loved it oh cheers well, well I mean maybe you could you could have a word with Pip the director and see if you could get Jerome and I a spin-off or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it was wonderful working with Jerome and, and yeah and, and, like, and Sam and Neil the characters in it they, they are kind of a kind of unlikely duo uh, but what what I love about them and their job is even there's a slight kind of imperfection to even that is that they're sort of they come from a world of of, of PR and it's a kind of about changing the direction of the story and yeah. just the fact that this time they're doing it for the for the most positive reasons um, and it was yeah so it was it was lovely to kind of I thought it was quite eye-opening to be honest about sort of seeing the way in which a truth can be told in so many different ways and kind of it makes you go, oh, wow, like, well, what, what is it then? And this, because yeah. this story is all about sort of this one 
this one happening and the way it has been interpreted in so many kind of polarising ways. Um, listen, congratulations on the trick. It's tonight, BBC One, nine o'clock. Congratulations. Brilliant stuff. Nah, thanks so much. Lovely to talk to you. Have a good day. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From wowing the stand-up circuit with his blistering gigs to pulling the heartstrings on stage and screen, he is the man. His new film, The Drowning of Arthur Braxton, is out next month. So remember, what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas, especially when you're talking to Johnny Vegas! Johnny! Morning! Good morning! How are you today, Johnny? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm not too bad. Uh, Bit of bedhead. Mm, yeah. yeah, other get than that. that. Hello, Gabby. Hello, Hello my lovely. You all right? No, let's get straight yeah. in. Let's get straight into the business side of things uh, before we have fun. I'm not saying it's not fun. Don't get me wrong. I watched your movie last night. So did I. How uh, it was? It was great. And and what a lad. Who's that lad? He plays the main so part. Good. Oh, uh, uh, James Tarpley. James Tarpley. He's fantastic, isn't he? James he's, Tarpley, not Tarpley. Sorry. He's, James he's, Tarpley. He's a star of the future, isn't he? He really is. You, the, Arthur, the little Arthur and Big Arthur, you two together. The relationship is fantastic. Oh, thank you. No, it was it, it was amazing because it was. I, I was introduced to uh, the writer Caroline Smiles. I'd heard about the book and I read it, and when I found out that the we're doing an adaption. Mm. I came in and, you know, indie films can go one way or the other. <laughs> and it was a brilliant uh, relationship on set. He was amazing. It was a shame because I didn't really get to do any scenes with any other of the cast, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just me and him in the house. But um, it was absolutely fantastic. And I came away from it with such a good experience. Yeah, Look, I'm, I'm. I'm trying to do an adaptation of one of Caroline's books for myself now. Brilliant. Well, I just loved your relationship. I think the relationships with you know all the kind of magic aside, all the relationships I, are the things that I thought were amazing about it. Even like, um, even like Arthur Braxton Jr.'s relationship with Tommy Clark, the bully. I thought that was ma- magnificent. Yeah, Brilliant, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it, no, it's great when, when you get. Uh, um, you know, I, I I didn't train in acting, but when you come in and do something. Mm. And it's a really weird story. I'd, I'd, Sophie Wright, who's in the film, mm. I'd cast and directed her in a piece I did myself. So it, it's all this like six degrees of separation of how it came about that, that she got in contact. But um, I, I mean, James coming in the room, and it, it's really nice when a young actor comes in and makes you feel like you're not a good actor. <laughs> well, no, well. you are. Sorry, it was. It, it's really good. Luke, Luke Cutforth, of, of course, he's a a YouTuber and he's known for being a YouTuber. He was. It was it 2015 or something. He said, "Right, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. <laughs> I want this it done." A, it was. It was a, it, on paper, it was a massive gamble. For it to be nominated for an award is absolutely amazing. I feel like I was just a, a kind of gun for hire, but like I say. If it wasn't for Caroline as a writer, if it wasn't for Louis Sophie, it might have passed me by. So I just feel very fortunate to be, you know, part of the process. Well, congratulations of, of the film on getting it. made and it doing so well. well I, ca- I can't it's, recommend it highly enough. And you can watch The Drowning of Arthur uh, Braxton. Uh, it's on Curzon Home Cinema for the, from November. So that's great. So yeah, you can watch it in yeah. November. And, and I, I, I highly the recommend it. Like, you've got to read. When it's coming up to Christmas, you've got to read the unwrapping of Theodora Quirk. Right. Okay. Which is another one of uh, Caroline's books. I'll read and it. I, I'm obsessed with it. Oh. It's great. I'm so glad that I got introduced to her. And you're going to be in that you know as well? Way? Into her work. No, she writes how I think. Okay. 
But you, so to be part of one of the projects and, 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 and to be, like I say, I made up the films doing well. I just felt like I turned up for a few days and played myself, an angry dad. <laughs> well, what I love about you, Johnny, is uh, whatever you do, there's a, there's an underlying seam of honesty running through everything you do. And when I was watching Karen Glamping, I loved every minute of it. I liked it when you got drunk by accident when you were designing the inside of that that camper van, uh, and you and it was, oh, it was it was when it was filmed on mobile phones. That was funny. I was in stitches. Oh, when we, when we went down for the big design meeting, yeah, that yeah. Turned, <laughs> yeah, it turned into a scar night. So yeah, watch that again, everybody. That was amazing. That was Karen Glamping. That was brilliant, and what a project. Um, I especially like the bit when you told the story about how you exploded your um, condensed milk. <laughs> oh, two tins of it, mate. It totally took out my kitchen. For the sake of saving nine quid, because I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't order Dulce de Leche online. I cost three grand's worth of damage. <laughs> Johnny, are you gonna go back out on the road as well? You're you're on tour as well, and that's that's what I mean, everyone says that you've got to everyone in their life has got to see Johnny Vegas live on tour. I'm you know what? I find that massively, like, it, 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 it kind of, I don't know what to say about that because when I go out live, it's almost like I'm not in control of myself. But it's really nice with folk I've spoken to who go, I saw that gig and I, I you know, haven't seen out quite like it. So I'm, I'm, I'm daunted because I've been away from it. I've been very fortunate. I've, I've got to act, you know, direct, write, double the stuff. But Johnny's, it's really weird letting Johnny back out the bag. He's in a bag upstairs, it's shaking. He's going, come on. It's quite interesting this because we've spoken to a few people this week that are just about to embark on tours again and there's obviously been, uh, we won't mention it, a bit of a break in that side of people's lives. Um, But everyone, I was the same thinking, where is he going to turn up, that guy that everyone wants to see? And uh, it is is scary. You know, it's weird wondering, what is he now? You know what I mean? He's been he's been in lockdown. What is what is Johnny going to be like post lockdown? Oh, Ricky Gabbett, it's lovely chatting to you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a great Thanks, day. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's the pub landlord that knows more than a thing or two about days gone by. His new series, Why Do the Brits Win Every War, starts tonight at 9pm on Sky History. So please welcome a man that always leads from the military front. It's the battle ready, Al Murray! Morning, Morning. Al! Morning. How are you? <clears throat> very well, thank you. Yes, very well. Yeah. Now, Rachel is just cheering about this series. Um, Ricky is, I am, congratulations on it. Why did the Brits win every war? Rachel, tell Al what you've been saying all morning. Well, I watched the first episode last night and I was thinking this is absolutely ripe to be showing to kids in school. It's like such an engaging way of teaching them about history. Were you thinking that when you made it? um, I think we we were a bit. And and we're also just trying to come at all this uh, sort of... uh, Quite old, <laughs> some of it quite familiar stuff in a in a fresh way, and I I'm really I really really I'm really really interested in history. I love history, and and I also think it's something you can be funny about if you want, and and have and play with and have fun with, and that's what that's what we were trying to do, and uh, you know uh, 
any program where you haven't got the budget to recreate the Battle of Trafalgar, so what you do is do it in pedalos, I think is, is onto something. It's just magnificent. I mean, that is the, <laughs> just fantastic to watch. Al, were you always, always this, I mean, talking way, way back, always listen to history? Because yeah. I often think that uh, yeah. school is wasted on the young. Because it's only yeah, well, in, in my older age that I, I now can devour documentaries about things where at school I, I couldn't be bothered. And yeah, I but think, you know, you were you were working on being a rock star, surely at school. You know, you, you haven't got time for the Romans, have you, when you're predicting a riot? I mean, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we, I, I was brought up on it. My dad is really, really into history. So we wouldn't go to football when I was a kid. We'd go to sort of battlefields and stuff. Which sounds a bit a bit dusty, but um, uh, we had a great time. Well, you do certainly make it come alive, and that's really what we need, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so because the thing the thing always to remember about the, the the past is the people who were living it at the time. It was it was happening to them right now, you know, uh, in the way we live our lives. So if you can if you can inject a sense of that into the these old stories, then I think that's um that, you know it's always I think that's a good way of getting people into it. And but- wonderfully, you have some great guests representing our past yeah. foes. Which I love. Yeah, like you've got Fred. Yeah. Fred Syriac is, is the French. You've got yeah, uh, Bruno Tollioli, Roman Emperor, and uh, but yeah. uh, John Thompson as the Vikings. That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> well, you say that, but the thing is, is um, the Viking is a the Vikings as we as we think of them are really a Victorian invention. They, 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 there 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 was no one called the Vikings. Viking is a thing you do. You go raiding. You go Viking. Oh. Um, and the Vikings were made up of all these disparate peoples and Norse tribes and different people from the from from Scandinavia and the and the edge of the Baltic. Uh, and there are no Vikings, but the the people who we call Vikings did in the end then settle in in Britain. So a big chunk of the north is essentially Viking country. So we decided that because we couldn't get our hands on any Vikings and they never existed anyway, we'd get John in. Uh, northern. <laughs> and, yeah, there you go. And did the, did they have horns on their helmets, or is that a fallacy? No, that's not true. They didn't have horns on their helmets. The horny helmets were invented for <laughs> the great um, band. The, I've the, seen them live. <laughs> I prefer the early stuff. Um, <laughs> the, they were the horny helmets were invented for a, va- a production of a Wagner opera by the costume designer who who stuck these horns on the helmets to make them look more spectacular. Wagner didn't even like them and said sacked them off but those costumes then got recycled and and that became the image of um of vikings it's just not true wow you know what you're saying about um, rachel was saying about how important it is to engage kids in history yeah and the thing and you said right if you go back in time obviously that was their present day but it's so yeah. everything that we do most of the things if you walk around the buildings you look at the words yeah. that we use that it's all contains history and it's a way of making it accessible to everybody and it's not just kids i think lots of people close off the minute you say history people close off to it and then there's a show like yours and uh, and horrible histories which actually has brought it and it made it fun and made us all realize that it's all about today yeah absolutely you're absolutely right i mean in in particular i mean we do an episode about the second world war and so much of how we live now is that you know that the the national health services came about because of the second world war because that was the the deal that was struck during the time by the government with with the british population that that that's what that's what you're going to get at the end of this and and so big important parts of how we live today are direct direct products of, of our history and uh you know it, 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 I, I get it if people aren't interested but but 
I also I'm fascinated by it, and I kind of don't understand why other uh, other other people aren't. I sort of um, yeah, but think, they will be why now. Are you interested? All, well, ma- yeah, all massive so. all massive leaps in technology and medicine yeah. happen because of wars, don't they? It's like we're, yes, we're, we're think, cornered. Yeah, I think that's true, and it's also I mean, it's, I mean, if it's, the pandemic in that regard is a is a you know, it's kind and of I don't war. like comparing. Yeah, exactly. I don't like comparing it to Second World War, although a lot of people did last mm. year. Um, because in it, uh, we tend to compare things. Uh, the only history we know is Henry VIII from the Second World War, and you couldn't compare the pandemic to Anne Boleyn, right? So, <laughs> um, so, but but it's that thing of where suddenly suddenly you spend a lot of money on something and you get results because because there's an emergency on, and that you know that that was certainly a thing that happened in the Second World War, but also during the Napoleonic Wars, and and also during the you know the, the Vikings had the best technology they could get their hands on. Because they wanted it for fighting, and I think that's really that's a really interesting thing about society, and quite depressing yeah, as well. That you, you know that you, it takes conflict to get great innovation. Well, listen. Good luck with the tour, and good luck with the show. It begins tonight, nine o'clock. Sky History. Everybody should watch it. Why did the Brits win every war? Al Murray also on tour uh, begins twenty fourth of February until the thirteenth of November. Eighty three dates. Oh my yeah. God. That, that yeah. must seem like a mountain to climb. Um, well, well, it's quite well spread out over the year, but yeah, um, yeah it's it's a bit, it's a big commitment. What what, yeah. what number date do you think would you recommend people come? Because at the beginning you're going to be ropey, and at the end you're going to be bored. So pick a number, <laughs> like around the, around the early fifties. Oh, uh, t- tonight's the night. Every night, <laughs> right. every single date. Thank uh, you very much. Oh, he's good. <laughs> every night. Thepublandlord.com. That's where you can get your tickets. Thank you so much, Al. Great to speak to you. Total Thank pleasure. You. Thanks you for having me. Bye. Cheerio. Bye bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If there's a laugh to be had at a current affair, our next guest will find it. The satirical brilliance of late night mash is on tonight at 10pm on Dave. So here to tell us more is a man with his ear to the ground, his eyes on the prize and his backside in the presenter's chair. It's Nish Kumar! Morning! Hello. Oh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm slightly reeling from the scale of that introduction. <laughs> I... It's made me quite uncomfortable. I really thrive <laughs> in an atmosphere of lowered expectations. No, Nish, enjoy it. Just just <laughs> thrive in this one now. Um, when do you film? Because tonight's the last one. So do you film it? Am I right? You film it last night? Yeah, we filmed it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We filmed it yesterday so it can be uh, edited and go through the appropriate legal vetting procedures to make sure that of I haven't, uh, you know, libeled anybody. Has anything, um, uh, has anything massive happened during the next day that, you, that scuppered well, you? I think, I actually don't think we've, well, I think we've always been quite fortunate that we've never sort of, nothing has scuppered the show. I mean, listen, obviously it would have been nice to cover the fact that Donald Trump has launched his own supermarket, yeah. own brand version of Twitter. Mm. Um, but uh, that's, uh, uh, that aside, I mean, uh, I mean, to be fair, that story can be some, summed up by rich person does stupid thing. Um, and so, like, it's maybe not like the most important, uh, significant news story going on in the world it's right It's properly finger on your pul- on the pulse kind of stuff, isn't it? And that must be so exciting when it goes it goes into making the show. Oh, it's fe- yeah, it's fe- we're very much flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, I think one of the most extreme examples is something that happened a couple of years ago, where there was a sort of impact report about a No Deal Brexit that was released during the record, and people were sort of writing jokes in the back while I was filming the show and then, like, running them out. That's brilliant. I mean, it's it's a dying breed, that kind of TV, isn't it? Like, you know... We need this. We really need it. 
it, it really is um yeah it really is there's not many of those shows around at the moment and um i guess the you know it's it, the i guess to be quite frank with you the amount of trouble that we and i have gotten over the last couple of years sort of tells you why yeah but you like it come on nish you and the guys oh. I mean, it's such a brilliantly produced show and you all sit down and you you work on it together and then it gets you know people the clips of of the girls and of you some of the things madonna retweeting ellie's stuff and it went sort yeah of that's great 50 that's... million people i mean it's extraordinary that people it's, see this around the world. It's very, very exciting. You know, yesterday in the studio audience, there were people there from sort of New York and uh, France and Hungary, people who have seen the show um, on, you know, on the internet. It's it's absolutely great. We, we've been very, very lucky. It's, it's, it is amazing. And it's, uh, it's, it's a breath of fresh air because it's not just comedians uh, coming on, trying to crowbar like uh, 45 seconds of their stand-up in there. It's, it's, it is literally... Uh, showing their like their their comedy chops as it happens. No, I mean, listen. If you are a comedian that has a sort of functional five minutes on the national minimum wage, mm. then congratulations, you can crowbar that stuff in. Mm. But um, it's very difficult if you've got like a hot take on baths for us to crowbar that into the. <laughs> yeah. We will not be. We will not be working yeah. your bath material yeah, into yeah. us. Yeah. Shopping trolleys. What are they all about? Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? Is this the last one tonight? This should be a weekly thing. It should just be on 52 weeks a year. Well, I think it's... Well, I think there's two things going on. One, I think, you know, there's there's budget issues and stuff in television. And number two, I think if we did it for more than eight weeks, all of us would uh, expire into dust. Right. Um, because it's, it's, it's quite a, um, you know, it's an all hands to the pumps thing. Um, but yeah, listen, it's, it's a lovely team and we, we, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to work with some incredibly talented people. And the best um, thing about it is it's a great way to actually, it's like a, a gateway into current affairs because it can be quite dry. And I, I, I enjoy the fact that you make it make sense through comedy. Yeah. I think that that's, I think people sometimes get, um, lose a sense of perspective over these shows and start suggesting that they influence the political conversation, which they absolutely don't, I would say. But I think one of the, the social utility of a sort of comedy show about the news is you take things that are quite boring and make them funny and hopefully get people interested in the serious issues behind the funny stuff. Now, you're going out on tour. You've got yes. control tour. So this is as you're starting in Hull in February. You're going on to the end of March where you yes. end in Weymouth. Uh, I bet you can't wait. Oh, I'm very honest. excited. I'm very excited. I love the fact you, bet you can't wait. And you just said you end in Weymouth. Bet you can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> From Hull to Weymouth. You're going to other places in between. Some very Yeah, but those are the places. two main ones. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> well, don't say that because uh, Bex Hill are going to be very upset and Huddersfield yeah. that you said that. And then Aberdeen. Oh, you are going everywhere. <laughs> I am going everywhere. I'm actually also even doing my first uh, Irish dates. I'm I, I'm doing a, a tour date in Dublin, which I've never actually done before. I'm very listen. I'm very excited. So I, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a, a couple of years where we haven't been able to do stand up, mm-hmm. which is just sort of the thing that I've done since I was 21 years old. So it's very exciting to be back on the road. So and, is this the tour that you were going to do, or is this a new tour? No, no, this is a new tour. I, I was sort of quite fortunate in terms of where I was in the touring cycle. Um, I uh, I had finished up and was sort of just between live, big blocks of live work. And I was, you know, but then I've been doing, I've been doing gigs from this room. 
uh, in the room in my house that I'm talking to you from. Um, and, you know, it's it, it, doing gigs on Zoom has been great. It's weirdly intimate. You don't normally see the audience's house. <laughs> um, and you could also don't often see them so viscerally actively yawning during your set. <laughs> uh, like, that's well, one of those things where you're like, yeah, that's maybe maybe too much. Welcome to my world. Nish Kumar, thank you. What a joy to speak to you. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. guys. And he's going on tour. It's called Control. Google it. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. It's Gabby Roslin and Ricky Wilson here with you in for Chris on this, the best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. We've already heard from a smorgasbord of sensational guests, but still to come. The legendary Giles Martin wows us with his work, remixing the Beatles' final release, Let It Be, for a new special edition box set. The marvellous Mel Gidroich dishes the details on her big, brilliant and very noisy new show, Had Made, Britain's Best Woodworkers. TV presenter, actor and former Strictly winner, Aurea Duba, spills the beans on treading the boards for the brilliantly energetic UK tour of Rocky Horror Show. And McFly frontman Tom Fletcher turns the pages of his festive new novel, The Christmasaurus and the Naughty List, plus an update on all the latest goings on on Strictly Come Dancing. So let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? From dance floor fillers to weekly dance floor thrillers, our next guest is a man for all occasions. His latest book, The Christmasaurus and the Naughty List, is out now. So please welcome someone that knows his way around a story just as well as a samba. It's the spectacular Tom Fletcher! <laughs> Hello, oh, Tom! Lovely Tom! How are you doing, Tom? I'm very good. How are you? I'm very well. Are you up already um, practising your dance moves? Well, not quite. I'm making hot cross buns for Ooh. the kids and uh, getting them ready for school. Uh, which is obviously the uh, most important job that I have. And then I'll be training all day uh, for Strictly, for the hot, whole day. Hot cross buns in October? Oh, year-round in our house. Yeah, see, really? he, he didn't live yeah, by the Yeah, my oldest, he's on his second already. Well, well I'm very impressed, but I've, I didn't know that they... Do you make them? Do you? Ha- of course you do. You and G probably homemade, you make homemade cro- hot cross buns, don't you? I love that that's the image that we portray, but absolutely not. These are straight out of a packet from the supermarket. <laughs> Good for you. I love that. Um, so this book, your, your next book, I mean, you, you're prolific now as an author. Uh, the Christmasaurus and the Naughty List. So would you put somebody on the naughty list if they serve hot cross buns in October? Oh, well, I've just done it. I don't know if yeah. I want to put myself on the naughty list. I think I'm a firm, nice listener, so I'm going to say that's perfectly acceptable. OK, all right then. So, yeah. this, uh, listen, congratulations on the book. It's a complete and utter joy, and it's exactly oh, what you. it is. I mean, the, also the characters' names, they're just... You, do you live in this world in your head all the time? Please say yes. Yeah, well, the thing is, so when I wrote the first, what's brilliant about when you write a, a book and you then write sequels, you've already kind of created that world and the characters... So it's a bit, and then you get to just play. It's a bit like playing with toys. It's a bit like chuck, emptying out your toy box, and then you just get to play with them and and take them on different uh, different adventures and tell different stories with them. So the more books I write in this kind of world, the more fun it gets. But yeah, I basically live in this kind of Christmas world all year round, trying to think up the next uh, the next story, which is uh, great fun. And apparently, living in Easter all year round as well, with your hot cross buns. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, you just love, the, uh, lo- the love the holidays. Love the holidays. <laughs> the, the, the Battle of the Boyne, that's always in my calendar. I don't know why. <laughs> the Christmasaurus and the Battle of the Boyne. 
That's that, that'll be the next yeah, one. I'll work on it. So, and also, do you know what I love about... So one of the things that I love about the books, there are many things, I have to say, but you've got so many chapters. And I remember when my kids were younger that they used to get really excited when they finished a chapter and then they'd get yeah. on to the next chapter and then they say to somebody, you never guess, I'm on, I'm on chapter 12 already. And there was that excitement. Yeah. You've got 41 I'm, chapters. I feel like that now. I love a short chapter. I think the kids, you know, I've got three kids. My oldest loves reading, but even with, even he's a really strong reader, but there's something, you know, the shorter the chapter, it feels like you're, you know, you're really achieving something when you get to the end of a chapter. So, um, yeah, I'm a fan of shorter chapters, but more of them. I'm a massive fan of the short chapters too, Tom. It's Rachel here. Hello. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) Uh, We read The Christmas Horus for my kids. We got it on the 1st of December, the year you released it, and we read it every night in the run-up to Christmas. Oh, thank you. Would you recommend a similar tactic with this one? How many chapters are we talking? Uh, I think so. I think, that's like, we do that. We kind of have a Christmas book. And, you know, if you get it on Christmas Day, it's a lot to cram in on Christmas Day. <laughs> so I think, yeah, they're the kind of things you want to get early on in December and then, yeah, read read a few pages a night or a chapter a night and uh, and help, you know, build you up, up to Christmas. Do you know that's a good idea? Next, The next Christmas one, 25 chapters leading yeah, up. Yeah, there you go. The, ad, the Christmas like an advent story, calendar. Ad, an advent book. Yeah. <gasps> do an advent calendar book or, about the Christmas Or an songs. advent album with 25 songs on it. He'll do yeah, that as well. 25, 25 Christmas songs. Oh, uh, let's do it, Tom. I'm up for that. Let's do a collab. Yeah, let's do a collab. Right, 25 Christmas songs leading up to the big day. And then the big I day mean, one's got everyone in. on it. The Kaiser flies. No, no, we'll get everyone involved. <laughs> we'll get like... Hey, we played with each other before, Ricky, actually. Don't you remember? We, uh, the, uh, Matt and Emma's uh, wedding. Oh, yeah. Uh, their, their wedding anniversary. That yeah, was yeah, 10 that, years. That was good. I mean, well, I, I can't... remember because you he remember? stood on Harry's drum kit and, I don't, and he wasn't very happy. I remember his face being like, get off my drums, but... Oh like, well, Ricky. I, I, I was a lot. I was a lot lighter back then. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go to Strictly because I'm obsessed. Rachel's obsessed. Uh, it, it's everybody, you know, twenty million people are obsessed with it. Uh, I'm, and also, Rachel, I think that you and Amy, please send Amy my love because I adore her. Uh, that you're going to be in the final. So I've predicted oh, I this. Don't know. I mean, since, I'm literally yes, taking it yes. day by day, week by week. I mean, it is so difficult. I can't tell you how hard it is. Especially, you know, yesterday and Mondays are so tough because everything you've learned the previous week. So last week I had the foxtrot, which Beautiful. is, you know, everything I learned for that, the posture, the steps, it's completely irrelevant this week. I've got the salsa and it just is a totally different style. So it's literally like starting all over again. But you've got... But yeah, such... Mondays can be a bit demoralising. You've got a great teacher in Amy. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, she's so patient as well. And she's, you know, she's been teaching my kids. And what I've noticed is when I'm particularly bad... She kind of teaches me in the same way that she teaches my seven-year-old. But it seems to be working, so... Well, Uh, I I think without a doubt you're going to be in the final. Really, I do. Even before you started, uh, I thought you'd be in the final. You know what? I hope so. I'm loving the experience. It's far more than I ever thought I would. And um, I would love to keep going just so I get... You know, I want to experience Halloween week and musicals week and I want to have as full a strictly experience as possible and... um, so, yeah, I'm loving every second bit at the moment. You and your sister, you I mean, you know, musical theatre star. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. Musical's obviously the next thing for you. You can sing. You, you've got to write some music. Well, of course, you've written your stage show as well, so that's already happened. So you've got yeah. to... Uh, the whole singing, dancing, writing, it, it, there's nothing... There's no stopping you, Tom. <laughs> it's just not enough time. I just run out of time. To, I just don't sleep anymore. Just uh, have a I little bit I just get all my work done when everyone else is asleep. But then also you're going out with the band again. You're doing live gigs. 
We are. We just finished the tour and then we have, we're playing the O2 in November, which is, um, yeah, we can't wait. Uh, Tom, everybody loves you. Carry on being just wonderful. And congratulations oh, on the book. Uh, congratulations on reaching Strictly's final. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm, yeah. Just but trust us, Stop trust it. us, trust us. And love to the family. Thanks for speaking to us. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Thanks for having us. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. By now, he might know more about the Beatles' sound than some of the actual members of the band. The special edition box set of Let It Be is out now, and here to tell us more is a man that thankfully couldn't just let it be and remixed it. It's the one and only Giles Martin! Giles, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. And thank you for making me cry yesterday. Oh, well, I'm sorry, I bumped into you on the street. No, 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 no. Honestly, I was listening to uh, the recordings and um, there are moments where you hear the Beatles talking and I had tears streaming down my face and my 14-year-old was with me and she said, you okay? I said, these these moments that we're listening to, it's just so personal and you've let us into that. Thank you for doing that. I really mean it. I felt completely overwhelmed. Oh well, thank you. You know what? I, I feel, I feel so um, well, sort of humbled and overwhelmed so that they give me the keys to the door, and so I walk into Abbey Road and I get to go through these tapes, and I just think that other people should feel the same way, and I'm so happy that you do because it is, it's, it is deeply personal, and it is, you know, music does sort of, you know, make us feel all sorts of things, and uh, I think it's great that we get a chance to actually listen, and just not hear stuff. You're, you're, it's so true. It's listening and taking it in. I mean, it's poetry and it's music and then hearing the, them all discussing with one another. And it's like listening to, to ghosts. And I know two are, are, are still alive, thank goodness. But, but it is, it's quite extraordinary. I, I cannot tell you how much I loved it. And then the book as well, which is the heaviest book on the planet. It really is the heaviest book I've ever, ever, ever picked up. But you open it up and there are their words again. And it's incredible to remaster something like this, stuff that your dad did. Uh, Let It Be box set is something that just we should all have. I know, I, I'm honestly in awe of what you've done, Giles. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It wasn't just me. I think the Beatles had quite a big part in it and there was lots of other people involved. But, you know, it's, you know, you know it's just... I, when I, I get a chance to work on this material, and I actually did this, and it was very let it be because the Beatles left Abbey Road to let it be, and I had to leave Abbey Road because of lockdown, and did a lot of it down at home. And it's a bit like working with a band presently. I think when you record stuff, it's not as though, you know, if we, you, know you record a 28-year-old Paul, and you'll always be 28 on, on those recordings. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of like I'm working with the time. And it was a sort of contentious period. They were sort of trying to do a, actually, they were trying to do a live album is what Let It Be is. And then, and they, you know, and only the Beatles would go, okay, we've got two and a half weeks, we're going to do a live album and we haven't got any songs yet. Um, and that's kind of what Let It this period of time was. But it's it's such a, it's it's a window of the world. And I think the fact that you hear them talking, the fact that they, they're having a chat and then you start playing a song makes it just so human. And you realise the magic is is actually them. It's this... nothing else, it's just them. Hi, hi, Giles, it's Ricky here. How are you doing? Hello, Ricky. Uh, nice, nice to speak to you. Um, nice so you. does anything like still surprise you about the Beatles? Because you've been working you know, really closely with their recordings for so long. Does anything crop up and, and take you by surprise? Well, I suppose I, in this case, it's the sort of politics of it. I think mm. um, this was nearing the end of the Beatles' career. And everyone thinks it's their last album, but it wasn't actually. Abbey Road was their last album. It's just the last album to be released. And this album's a bit like, uh, 
you know, John and Paul were sort of knew that they were going to get a divorce, but they sort of tried, they were trying to go on date nights together. Mm -hmm. They were trying to, you know, rekindle their relationship, as it were. And and you hear them, you hear them. There's a song called Give Me Some Truth, which John released on his album. And, you know, he says to Paul, hey, should we work on the Hypocrites, Hypocrites song? And you hear them as a songwriting team. And it's just nice to, I suppose, yeah, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like a goldfish. I don't really know much about these projects until I start doing them, you know, mm. and then I become the sort of expert maybe for about three months. Because yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I've got, got such an appetite to consume anything Beatles. This is perfect for me, isn't it? It is. It's perfect. It's, it's, a, it's a prescription for you. That's what it is. It's, <laughs> that's uh, right. You know, it, I, but, you know, that's the thing. I, was, I have to walk the fine line between boring the pants off people because it's just music and the people who really want to know everything about it. And I think, you know, the, the truth is somewhere between, between, you know, my, my daughters listen to um, everything from Fleetwood Mac to Ar- Arcade Monkeys to, yeah. to whatever. And then they put on the Beatles and they all should be the same. It's just music. But it's nice that people want to dig deeper into this. It's very interesting that you said that talking about your daughters, because um, we, we were having a conversation earlier on the radio about how that every age, every generation knows a Beatles song instantly. And it's... How, how does that happen? How is it that this band has every generation from uh, around the world, everybody instantly knows that it's the Beatles and there's this sort of instant love that you have for the Beatles? I think it's a bit like the Pied Piper of Hamlin. I noticed it when, you know, I've got uh, Morning Eva, Morning Alice, but yeah. I had these two just say hello to them. I had these, I, you know, when we were working on, I was working on songs and they immediately, as little kids, they were suddenly started dancing around to Beatles music. I think there is some sort of, I don't know, I just think they, they had the ability to write such great songs and, and be liked by so many people. Uh, Giles, I probably shouldn't ask, but um, what's, what's the next album you're going to do? I thought he was about to say, will you come and produce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yes to both. I don't know, people, a lot of people, you know, they, they, you want that fine line, but a lot of people going, what, why, you know, a, a lot of people break out, a lot of people go, why the hell were you doing this? That, you know, they sound good to begin with, all that sort of stuff. I, everyone sort of wants Rubber Soul and Revolver. Me to right. look at those, and yeah. I guess that's the. But I haven't, I haven't looked at those yet. Revolve, I've got to the revolver, film please. Books. Okay, if you, I'll, I'll do requests. Okay, okay. revolver. <laughs> that's what you. Well, I'll do it for you. I'll send it to you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, just do it for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, perfect. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll send you my Dropbox link. Okay, just yeah, okay, uh, you've just said that on a huge radio show. So uh, good luck. <laughs> I think he'll be chasing you. Uh, thank you so much. What a pleasure to speak to you. And thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you both. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She's one half of the finest double acts going and is a formidable force on her own. The new series, Handmade, Britain's Best Woodworker, starts tomorrow night on Channel 4. So please welcome the antidote to skirting boredom. Let's spend a whittle time with Mel Gedroyd. Oh, you are good. Melanie Gedroyd. <laughs> Mel, Mel, oh. Mel. Oh, my darlings. Rachel says that you're very good at squeezing in a sofa. Now, yes. Now, this was a few years ago, and dear Rachel and I were wrangling. It's a beautiful sofa. I believe she's still got it in the house. I hope so. Rachel, do you? I do. Do you remember? It was. It's an orange velvet loveseat chaise. It's gorgeous. And it's got the sort of... Does it have the flappy bits that come out of the bottom that you sort of rest your uh, feet on? You know, the little bits that come out of the bottom that you rest your feet on? That was the issue, Mel, was that it has those bits, but they're not flat. It was up permanently. That's why we had to pivot. Yeah, we we beveled and we pivoted. Was and this we got for that Taskmaster? So well, a real Taskmaster? <laughs> it was it was sort no. of an additional unfilmed challenge that Mel, out of the kindness of her heart, assisted me with. Oh, you see, you, you, this was where you practiced for Handmade Britain's Best Woodworker, wasn't it, Mel? <sighs> 
listen up. I've got to say, I've got to come clean. I didn't know that much about wood before the show started. And now? Now I know not that much, but a little bit more. <laughs> you helped. But I love it. You I did help. Love it. We see oh. you helping. Listen, helping in heavily inverted commas there, okay. Gabby. Uh, it's no, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Who knew that wood could be so brilliant and so exciting? It of is course exciting. It is. Of course, it is. I love it. And Mel, you're no, you're no stranger to the world of artisan crafting competitions on the, the TV because <laughs> we do know you did a baking one at some point. Yeah. Um, but this one, working with wood, surely yes. that takes a lot longer. Do you know what? It was a lot louder. It was longer yeah. and also louder. Because on Bake Off, mm. okay, there are like maybe three hours sometimes mm. when a dough is proving. Mm-hmm. It's very silent. Dough doesn't make a lot of noise. So you can just hang out with the bakers. You're chatting. You're having very sort of intimate chats about all sorts of things like that. In the workshop, the wood workshop, it's literally, you're like this all the time. Because the machinery is so powerful. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole workshop which, of which, just machinery. Which brings me to another interesting question, because, you know, yeah, a on. cake takes, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes to bake, but, yeah. a, but a bed takes a lot longer. Uh, was there a lot of hanging around? It was quite... Oh, they had this amazing challenge every week, the Big Build Challenge, and uh, episode one, as you rightly say, mm. they had to make a ruddy bed. I've seen it, Mel. I've they seen had- it. They had two days. It was so wow, stressful. They were they were amazing, though. I never thought we'd get a single bed out of anybody, but we did. We got nine beds. They were incredible. And the time calls must have been weird. You have 40 hours <laughs> remaining. <laughs> Are you allowed I, to stay up all night if you want? Well, the thing is, no. Oh. I mean, they have to sort of take into consideration that sometimes you see darkness on the show. We mm. did actually film it a year ago, so it was it, it was in autumn, mm. so the light was... We were losing the light, but essentially they had two working days right. to do the, those big build challenges, yeah. Oh, they're them. I love woodworkers, can I just say? They are so mellow and so cool and just lovely. They're really cracking good eggs, I saw all of them. One arrived in a poncho. I thought, how oh. relaxed can you get? Oh, Chantal. Yeah. Chantal was in the poncho. I love Chantal. Michelle, the biker, who's a grandmother. She arrived on a massive motorbike. Jade, half French, quite sort of called my agent. Very cool. <laughs> I've got my favourite already. It. Right, who is it? Come on. Uh, what's his name? Begins with an R. Rob. Uh, no. No, no, Rada. Rada. Rada, Rada yeah. <gasps> Now he is. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away, so else. I can't say anything. I know, but he's, he's, but he's, he's something No spoilers. Else. No spoilers. No, 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 no spoilers. But, 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 but what I'm saying, it's a great group of people, and it all hinges on Aww. that. And you, of course. Aww. No, but it no, is. No, no, no. Do, do you know it's what? It's all about as the well? people. It's about the people, but also, can I just say a big shout out for Wales? We were in beautiful Wales for five weeks, like a sort of weird cult, because <laughs> it was right in the middle of lockdown last year. Uh, that we were filming so nobody was allowed in once you were in you were there you couldn't leave um so we we got to know each other extremely well it was like a sort of weird circus or commune was it, it was, like the, it was, was it like strictly was there, was there a curse that it was no i no, don't no i don't off. know 
no pairing off too too lovely, too earthy for that. Okay. Actually. Woodwork. Do you know? I remind. I, I did woodwork at school. They don't. I don't think they have that anymore. When oh, I, did you, Gabby? It's, yes. all, on, it's all on computers I loved now. It. I, yeah. I absolutely loved it. But this show reminded me how much I loved it. I remember making a skateboard. That wasn't difficult to make. I have to point out. Wheels are tricky. Just, a, just a, a plank of wood, and you. you I remember planing and jigsawing and all of it. Oh. I loved woodwork. Yeah, they should bring it back in schools. Yeah, I think they should. I think they should. I mean, I hope in some way that this show, if people find it and come to it and enjoy they it... They will that... find it. It's on Channel 4 at Thursday, 8 o'clock. How about that? Yeah, That's where they find you. it. Perfect yes. post-tea viewing, that, isn't it? No, it's oh, lovely. Wow. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Thank I, you I love much. it. No, thank you very much for making your show because we will be tuning in. It's right Listen, up me and Grace's street, this. I've got to say, it gets very, very addictive and quite intense. Well, it's fabulous. Say. And you're on it and they're all on it and they're making things. What could be better? It's 8 o'clock, oh. Thursday nights, Channel 4. Mel Gidroich, thank you muchly, gorgeous. It's lovely to see you guys. Have Bye. a great day. Bye. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave, who's our next guest, please? From the small screen to the big stage, he's the man you call. The Rocky Horror Show is touring the UK, and you could be there watching our next guest strut his stuff as Brad Majors. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that looks quite simply spectacular in suspenders. It's Ore Aduba! Ore Aduba! <laughs> Morning! Hi, mate. I can't cope with those intros and that. You keep chanting, Ricky. Don't uh, let me stop okay. you. Okay. Uh, well, no. I'll do it after you've gone. It's too, it's too oh, embarrassing right. otherwise. You, you like it though, yeah? You like it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love oh, it. Hey, it. Thursday morning. So, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Back on the road? Back? No, back in the theatre doing doing we, the rock and roll show. Do you know what? We're we're not only back on on stage, but we are back on a, a London West End stage as of last night. We <sighs> uh, we we our first preview of the show was was yesterday evening. We open the show uh, in London's Peacock Theatre tonight. It's the big gala press night. Right now, I couldn't be less gala ready. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, you, you look at the state of me. I'm wearing a tra- tracksuit bottom. I've just been helping my my my, my wife feed our little girl who's is not a week old. And oh, um, congratulations! I've even brushed my teeth. So I mean, I'm ready for the night. Thank you, Gary. But you don't you don't wear your stage outfit then um, during the day. Well, not all the time. Okay. But but my wife is a very big fan of the corset that I wear on stage. Um, she came to watch the show uh, a few months ago. And she, you know, naturally, your significant other is the, is the one that you are waiting for the review on. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, the show was great. I really enjoyed it. And actually, do you know what? You do look great in the corset. And I was like, that's all I needed to know. You, so, don't, yeah, so you, don't, you don't strike me as a man that gets nervous. You've done Strictly. You've done the SAS thing, which must have been nerve-wracking. So uh, how's the West End stage uh, for the nerves? <laughs> Funnily enough, I think there was a lot of our guys who were a bit nervous last night. We, we'd had a week off. Uh, the last show that they did was in Dublin uh, while we were, while I was away sort of uh, hibernating, getting ready for the new edition. So I was, I've been away for two and a half weeks. So I think everybody was a bit like, OK, how do we do this again? Hmm. Um, I think it's a step to the left and a jump to the I can't <laughs> Do you know what? If, if there's a song that you know describes yes. how to do the dance, that's yeah. perfect. Doesn't matter if you forget. Mm. Listen yeah. to the words. Listen to the yeah, words. It, it's very helpful. And actually, even if you went wrong, the rest of the audience will know exactly what they're doing. It's magic. You know, the Rocky Horror is mad when you think it's been going nearly 50 years and people wow. are still so 
mad crazy for it. And I, like the rest of the cars, we get to stand there on stage, do do our thing, and we have the best time doing it. But then to look out and see a thousand people having a time in their lives, dressed to the nines in stockings, heels, suspenders, whatever they can find, wrapping it around their necks and going wild and, is um, is like nothing else. And the song's uh, spectacular. I mean, I, I'm letting you know a little secret here, but the Time Warp is actually uh, our warm-up song in the dressing room before I go on stage with my band. We all no. stand in a circle and do the Time Warp That's together. fantastic. And uh, it's, you know, you're going on at Glastonbury and there's a lot of cool people around. We have to close all the blinds, <laughs> shut the door, and we're in there doing the Time Warp. The portal cabins are rocking. Oh, I love that. They'll ask you to be in the show next. Oh, God. So legendary. Well, yeah, you, you must. You must bring your experience. We could do with an experienced hand like yourself. I'd, I'd like, I'd, I could play Rocky. The, you know, the, the, Done. I, I, okay. The um, muscle-bound Rocky. I'll tell Ben Westhead you can share the role. He's wonderful. I mean, he looks pretty immaculate. So the two of you together... Oh, no, no, I wouldn't play him. Been done. Who's the meatloaf part? I'll play him. Oh, Eddie. Eddie, yeah. I'll play okay, Eddie. So you Eddie, to, yeah, you I can play do that. that with Joe Allen. He's, I he's pretty, he's pretty dark. I don't have to work out for that one. <laughs> uh, so, listen, Portia mustn't be very happy with you because your baby uh, daughter, Jeannie, was only born last week and you're going off on tour. Yeah, 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 doing that. Actually, do you know what? After having had uh, her for a week and a bit, I think Portia would be the first person to go, I think it's time for you to leave now. <laughs> um, so it's 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 all good. You know, we had a long time together. So uh, sometimes touring comes at a very good time. But no, it's 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 part of the job. And uh, what we're for, what I feel fortunate enough is that Portia is so supportive. She's like, you know, this is this is this is your line of work, this is the job. And um, we get to kind of we get to share each other without feeling overwhelmed by each other like we had over lockdown. Um, but no, do you know what? Going out on the road and meeting the audiences is like nothing else. Like I said, Rocky Horror fans are mad crazy. And you, it feels like a rock concert every night. It really does. You, I mean, you love performing, don't you? That's absolutely, it's sort of there. It's that fire in your belly. But how did you love Celebrity SAS Who Dares Wins? There was a point during uh, the series of SAS over the six weeks where I would be getting my face, you know, pummeled into mud, getting beasted by Ad Milton and Foxy, you know, going up and down cliffs along the Scottish Hebrides. Um, and then on Monday to Friday, Saturday, wearing stocking suspenders and heels. They're like, it's a very strange existence that you're living right now, Ori. And I was like, I know, but I, but I live for it. It's been, it was, it was hard. Did it come it as a shock? A hundred times harder. It, it it was a massive shock. Nothing really can prepare you, really. If you've got no, no military training mm. in you at all, then spending a week with ex special forces servicemen um, is going to be a bit of a tango moment. It's you know, it's a right slap to the face. It's great hearing you talk about it because we all watch programs from the comfort of our armchair and think I could do that. But well, it's the one show. Not the one show. <laughs> You've done that as well. But that, that is the, the only show where you watch it and you think, so I, I, I actually would, I can't do that. I can't physically do it. But uh, and it, must have, it must have really taken out. You got a tattoo on your leg, didn't you? I saw that on TV the other day. I, I did. I did. You know, I, I had a, there was a moment during the, during the filming where I, I, I hit rock bottom physically, emotionally, um, and I, I didn't know that I could survive through it. And I, I had the image of my son in my mind just not wanting to let him down. Mm. And having got through the challenge and I had extreme hypothermia and somehow survived it. And the next day, I felt like a completely different person. And one of the things that military always tell you is that your body and your mind have a real power and ability to recover. You just have to trust it. And Ant described me as a torch because he said, you're one of those. Like, when you first light it, it's a bit dim. But the longer it shines, the brighter it gets. And in that moment, 
everything struck a chord with me. So I have a big torch tattooed on my on my left leg with my son's name in the middle. Good luck with the tour and our love to the rest of the cast. And of course, give your babies a big kiss from us as well. I will. Good Thank luck. you have too. Fun. Pleasure. Bye. 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 The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show podcast with Sky. You can listen every week from wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from the show. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.